Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Marty is a caustic small-time con drifting from one scam to the next. When his latest ruse goes awry, mounting paranoia forces him from his lousy small-time temp job to the desolate streets of Detroit with nothing more than a pocket full of bogus checks and a dangerously altered Nintendo power glove and a bad temper. This is a wonderful film. It's called Buzzard, and we're joined today by the director... Uh, Joel Petrakis. Joel, welcome to Film School. Thanks, Mike. It's uh, good to be on the on the radio podcast with you here. Thank you. Uh, well, uh, terrific to have you. Now, tell me uh, a little bit about uh, where the story of uh, Buzzer came from. Um, well, you know they they say the first the first rule of writing is write what you know. Okay. So, um, just like Marty, I, I did spend a year. You know, it starts off. He's a he's a temp employee at a mortgage company, a big faceless corporate machine, uh, and he's kind of trying to cheat the system a little bit and get away with little scams here and there. So, kind of started off with that was the uh, the idea about a just a guy skating along, uh, cheating cheating his company out of out of five bucks here, ten bucks there, and then you know you kind of insert new ideas, and, and I try to always amplify things a little bit and make the reality sense of reality more heightened and uh, um, and just kind of whatever ideas come to me about anything I usually try and work them into a script even if it may not even seem logical at the time and just connect those dots so by the time we were finished uh, you know the story had become a very insane uh, hyper realistic uh, depiction of a guy with a really bad temper lashing out against not just his job, but um, just about everyone who stood in his way. Um, so yeah. I can kind of set a ground, you know, base, and then just kind of let the imagination take over from there, and, and don't put any restrictions on it. So the the character of uh, of Marty, where, uh, and that's just some again. You you said you write what you know. Is this someone that you? A uh, composite of people that you've known in your life, or is, is well, I think, yeah, I think he's kind of, uh, you know, there's two, two. Uh, Marty's the main character who is very kind of almost. Some people see him as an unlikable jerk, you know, who's out for himself, and his his only friend is kind of a the opposite, who's very goofy and and uh, kind of gets bullied by Marty. And I think those two characters are kind of almost my dark side and my light side. Um, taken to new new extremes. Uh, I don't think I'd ever uh, lash out at people quite the way Marty does, but those are just feelings that I have and frustrations that I have um, embodied in a, you know in a character that's a completely dark character. And I always kind of just you have to write a little bit of your own personality into everyone that you every character you make, so that you at least. Um, understand where they're coming from that's the most important thing is, is you understand them so uh if you base it on kind of parts of you then i think you'll be able to uh to draw a more realistic relatable character 
Yeah, I, I really thoroughly enjoyed the interaction between um, Marty and Derek. I, I thought that uh, this is a funny film, but uh, in, in a lot of ways, uh, it's also, as you're describing, this sort of you know, underbelly, dark side to uh, to the characters and the lives they lead. Uh, but And we'll get into this in a little bit. But I th- and there's also a very um, uh, pointed... Uh, critique of of a system that grinds up people that are in this sort of economic strata that uh, we that we we see in this film. But uh, I really enjoyed just getting back to their their interaction, uh, Marty and 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 uh, Derek's. I thought it was a uh, it was terrific. I thought it, very funny, um, and um, it illuminated a lot of their. Um, yeah, just what you were talking about. I guess is what I'm saying is uh, I can see how yeah. that would have, that would have been uh, fun to write and uh, and fun to try to uh, you know to put up on screen. It really it works all very well in the film. Um, yeah, I think most of that comes because that's a very realistic uh, bond there. I mean, uh, Marty's played by my friend Joshua Burge, and and I don't even know if you or your listeners know, but I played Derek. Um, I'm Derek, so our real-life friendship, we kind of lived out on screen, all of our kidding and goofing around and teasing each other. Um, that chemistry made it into the film. Without that, it would have been two actors um, kind of faking it and phoning it in, but we were, uh, were real-life uh, dudes who do most of that goofy stuff, so uh, that, that, that any kind of humor or comedy just kind of came out of naturalism or art natural friendship and relationship well it, it is great and i i just love <clears throat> i love the uh, the party zone uh, and i just kept i love the way that he kept coming back to this rather you know tame idea of, of you know in, in reality of his idea of what the party zone was and i just it was yeah it really worked well and Thanks. i really liked him as the character and i i thought uh, you're right it came off like it came off very well and realistic in that regard. Yeah, you had two guys who just like to rib each other and give each other a real bad time. But yeah, I know, I know Derek. You know, he's he's got little ounce, little hints of my personality in him. <laughs> I know it's just a lot of guys like Derek, and, and so it just again, it's just all about understanding the characters you're creating. I, yeah, and getting back to Joshua, it is Burge, right? Am I saying that correctly? Yes. Uh, yes. Joshua Burge is really good in this film. Uh, I, I had not seen him in anything else. Is he uh, his uh, film career, or filmography? I um, is I assume uh, relatively limited, uh, but he he has a very expressive face. Uh, and and through that expression, there is a sort of innate intelligence that you can see in him. Uh, I think that sort of belies where he is in his career and in his own life. Um, there's a certain uh, there's some empathy in his for me in his character, as well as at times uh, you want to you know you want to slap him in the face for he the way he is sometimes. But I I but it through it all, I thought that. Uh, uh, Joshua did a wonderful job with him. Tell me a little bit about what went into sort of what you were trying to get out of him in in his performance. Um, yeah, you know, Joshua, when I, we've been friends. He was, uh, he's a musician by trade. And in the film, he's this very cold, uh, cynical, you know, hateful uh, guy. But in real life, he's all about love and 
peace and harmony. You wouldn't be able to tell from the character of Marty because he's such a good actor. But we've uh, we've been we went to college same place and he was kind of like this Bob Dylan type that would play at a coffee shop across from my apartment and uh, I kind of just became a fan fully of his and his musical career kind of he he on stage uh, you know he slowly evolved into this wild maniac kind of Michael Jackson meets Tom Waits type Mm -hmm. and I'd go see his shows and just you know think boy if I could get just a tenth of that guy's charisma and energy into a movie. We have something you know, special. So I kind of just convinced him to uh, be in what my first, or one of his, uh, one of my first shorts was called Coyote, okay. which is uh, the first entry into the Animal Trilogy. And uh, and it turns out, luckily, he's a really good actor, too. Yeah. Um, he does have, he has that, he has a face that you just can't, uh, you can't teach. He has a presence. And, yeah. Uh, and so I've put him in every one of the films in the Animal Trilogy, Coyote, Ape, and now Buzzard. And he had not really worked with anyone else um, until now, because after somebody in Hollywood saw Buzzard, they cast him in the new Alejandro Iñárritu film. Oh, so wow. Okay. He's gone from Petrikas to Iñárritu. He's been in Calgary for the last five months, uh, you know, acting right alongside... Leo DiCaprio and Tom Hardy. So he has gone from Grand Rapids to the big time very quickly, very quickly, and that's nothing but a good thing. Yeah. And I knew it was inevitable, and Alejandro just is in love with that guy. So well, and, super happy for him. Yeah, and, and again, I, uh, I think that based on uh, the reaction that Buzzard has garnered, uh, you yourself will not you will have some door, doors will open if they haven't already in terms of your career and and what you want to do with that. So uh, I hope so. Oh well, I, I, I really it's a it's it's a it's not it's an unusual film and it's a film that um it, it's kind of for pe- for people like me I, I'm uh, I love independent film and filmmakers and one of the reasons why I've been so fortunate to be able to do this for so long and um, that this is the kind of film that when it comes along not very often that is kind of a, a jolt of a film in the sense of the perspective and the execution of it and the characters are not, yeah, they're not all very likable or agreeable, but it's an, such an engaging film and to watch them uh, pull this off. It's just it's a joy to see. And I... I I, I really commend you on the opening shot uh, of this. You know, you're recognizing that uh, Joshua has a sense of presence about him. The opening two or three minutes of the film uh, is a, a wonderful introduction to the film and to his character. Uh, and it's just more or less an extreme close-up of him and watching his expression and his, again, the things that you can see in the eyes and in the, in the, in the, in the reaction. Uh, you're going to see this character evolve throughout the film and uh I, it was great intro and i really got the film off to a good yeah, start I, I think it was important just to let the camera just to let the, basically the audience sit there with with this guy and 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 he's luckily he has that face where when he's not speaking it usually says more than when he is speaking so it was important to just let the audience sit there in the room with him and, and observe him and and uh just kind of get to know his little quirks. So that was, um, you know, he's good enough an actor where I can, you know, hold the camera on him for six minutes and and 
let him just uh, do the full scene, you know, dialogue and all, and, and he'll, he can nail it in one or two takes. He's he's just got that brain. He's got the brain of a musician who's been growing up to learn lyrics. So yeah, yeah. Uh, dialogue, he can he can memorize anything. So that's true. Not like he was reading off cue cards for that opening shot. He he was Marty. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. In that moment. Yeah. We're speaking with Joel Petroikis, uh, the director of the film Buzzard. It is opening, uh, it's opened, actually, by the time the, you'll hear this interview in uh, New York, Los Angeles, Michigan, Ohio, all across the country. Uh, and uh, for those of you here in the Los Angeles area, it's at the uh, NoHo, Lemley NoHo in New York. It's at the Film Society Lincoln Center. Wow. On that one. Yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty surreal. <laughs> well, even if you live in uh, Largo, Florida, you can watch it on demand and on iTunes. Okay. And all that yes, that's. Uh, thank you for for that. Yes, absolutely. You can watch it in all all kinds of platforms. But yeah, you were just mentioning uh, that uh, off air here that you had you were just flo- flew in from uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, your hometown, uh, for a screening last night. I assume. Um, yeah. How to go from New York. It was really good. I, they, uh, there's some rough weather in New York. I was coming from, they did a sneak preview at um, the Brooklyn Academy of Music on Wednesday. Um, and then I got stuck in some bad weather, but I made it for the uh, the hometown premiere last night. It was a sold-out crowd, and uh, they all seemed to go crazy over it. So yeah. couldn't have gone better. That's fantastic. Well, uh, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about sort of uh, the growth. Now, you, you went from Coyote to... To ape now you buzzard. In terms of your growth as a filmmaker, what have you? What's been the sort of the biggest ev- evolution in your filmmaking uh, that you've seen over since the beginning, uh, since in these in this trilogy, if you will, um, as a filmmaker? Yeah. I think you know, just with any other quote unquote artist, you just learn, you know, from your mistakes, and you get better at what you're trying to do, and your viewpoint becomes more specific. Your voice comes. A little more clearly defined, especially once. I mean, we're working in very low budgets on these, lower than any independent films I know of. And so, you know, sometimes people are discouraged when they think they don't have enough money to make the film that they want. And I think the most important thing that I've learned is that um, any restrictions, especially budget restrictions, um, and it may sound phony, but it's totally real. Um, absolutely helps because it uh, requires you to get creative with uh, your solutions. I think a lot of times if you can just throw a few thousand dollars at a problem and it'll go away on a movie set, then you're not really tapping into your imagination to overcome things and it becomes things become a little too easy and, and, uh, and possibly lazy. So I feel that just with these restrictions, um, I've been able to kind of learn new ways to get around things and in that way develop kind of a, my own style and my own voice that uh, that I wouldn't have been able to develop if, if someone gave me just full reign of any kind of camera equipment or digital technology or any of that stuff. Uh, I like things grounded in reality. And um, it's, it's when you're shooting on budgets like this, um, kind of you kind of are de- absolutely locked into the real world so for me i've just learned that that that's helped shape who i am and, and i kind of want to continue um working the same way even if i have you know a million
millions of dollars to work on a film. I want to I want to keep it the same way we're doing it right now. As a writer, uh, when you're putting together a script, I mean, with these first three films, where was there to what extent were you self-centering what you were putting on the page? Because knowing what it would take to make that work on film is that is that sort of a is that something that w- enters into your process as as you do as you write or or is it what are the well, sort of I always I always you know write within my means so to speak mm-hmm. but I'm also someone who's never had an urge to make a science fiction epic mm-hmm. or you know a western or something I, I'm very much into stories, small stories that take place where I live that are relatable to me, that, you know, say something to me about my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, luckily I, I'm able to make the kind of films I want to that don't require CGI or crane shots or in, any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's very much grounded in the Midwest, um, which is a, a place you can do things easily and, and cheaply, more so than... L.A. or New York, where you need permits and hmm. insurance and closing down streets and all that business. We just kind of do what we want to do here in the wild Midwest. Okay. Uh, in uh, how many shooting days was was uh, Buzzard? Buzzard was actually thirty days, oh. um, mostly because we're not like we don't go, you know, fourteen hour days where everybody's tired and miserable and mm-hmm. crabbing with each other. We like to just stretch it out and mm-hmm. be be comfortable doing it. Um, also another luxury we had not working in any kind of studio system is we rehearsed the film for eight full months. Oh, wow. So that was, yeah, once a week for four or five hours. Um, so that really honed the script. And by the time we got to set, everybody knew exactly what we were doing. Everybody was, you know, required to rehearse with us. Even if you were a bank teller with five lines, you still had to come in one day and go over it and over it. So... When we got to location, sometimes, like, you know, when you're not shooting with a permit and locking everything down, sometimes people say, yeah, you, I'll give you one hour to come in and shoot your scene. And for us, usually an hour is enough because we've rehearsed it so much and everybody knows their roles. We just come in and are able to, to really knock it out. Um, so it's good to be able to have that, that luxury and, and be able to take your time with it, um, but still, but still uh, know that you only have a set amount of time every day to get something kind of forces you to not just lounge around and 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 wait for some inspiration to start you gotta you know we have a kind of a a pretty good working aesthetic for sure okay now uh how many of the principals in in the buzzard had worked with you prior i know you said joshua obviously joshua Joshua had been in a few of mine you know everything in the animal trilogy and uh, there's not a whole lot of other main characters but uh, there's a there's a bank manager that I've always wanted to work with and finally got to work with him. And everybody's um, from either Grand Rapids or near Grand Rapids. We also shot in Detroit, um, as the story uh, required us to. And so, you know, we use a lot, actually, some, you know, some rappers um, that we are fans of from Detroit who um, you know, were interested in the movie. So I got to work with a lot of, a lot of new people that I hadn't worked with before that I'd wanted to. Um, but I always try to, I always try to, you know, keep keep my favorites around. Uh, J- Marty's boss, the mortgage company, is our, our friend Terry Nelson, who is an ape as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, you uh, I like to kind of keep it keep it among friends for sure. Well, I, I've I found uh, that over time that a 
filmmakers who well, make in, a lot of film independent filmmakers uh, tend to surround themselves with a sort of a family feel to their films, and part of that is bringing back people who have worked with them as actors uh, in the past, and it creates this kind of ensemble feel to the film. And this ha- yeah. this has that as well, um, particularly you and. Uh, you and Joshua, but uh, yeah, because obviously you're in, you two are in the the, um, the most of the scenes that you're in, you're in together, and uh, um, so that yeah. it, it definitely has that feel. Uh, the uh, yeah, and um, I thought it was particularly strong in terms of uh, the amount of screen time and the impact I think he had on the film was uh, Joe Anderson as uh, as Craig Kowalski. Um, yeah, he uh, he's the uh, he's a guy I've been wanting to work with for a long time. Joe is Joe is great. It's a it's a really weird um, way that happened because Joe is a a stand up comedian here in Grand Rapids, and he originally auditioned for the role of Derek. And uh, you know, for a long time, we were open to looking at other people for that for that character, and I specifically wanted him to come in and read for Derek. But in the end. Um, you know, I think that, that, that I wanted to ultimately challenge him a little more and, and give him, uh, a non-comedic role. Um, I'm very big on giving, I always love when comedians are, are put in a dramatic role. So I wanted to, uh, cast him in a new light and, uh, and I think it's a good back and forth with, with him and Joshua near the end of the film. Yeah, I, I've always and I found that to be the case as well. Uh, I comedian standups uh, tend to be very good at reacting because they, they're that's their livelihood in a manner of speaking. They're on stage; mm-hmm. it's all about the interaction between themselves and the audience, and even at times one or two particular people and the ability to be able to come back in a forceful way in that sort of dialogue that they have in their own careers serves you well as an actor. Yeah, I think I think that stand-up comics and musicians are my favorite people to work with because comics have, have just know how to roll with the with something and, and kind of improv their way through and, yeah. and perform the same way musicians have, you know, the sense of rhythm and timing and they're, you know, performers on stage so they know how to kind of work a crowd and those those two types of people just they understand the uh, dynamics of certain scenes better than I think, you know, theatrically trained actors or those, those are just kind of people that I'm drawn to or are, are comics and musicians who have different kind of sense of timing and rhythm. I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Joel Potrykas. He is the director of the film Buzzard. Um, in the last few minutes that we have, I want to talk about a couple of different things. One, uh, we've been talking about filmmaking and your approach and all. Um, uh, particular filmmakers that you have uh, that have influenced you and or you admire their work. Uh, I'm going to throw in a one that your film reminds me of was Jarmusch's uh, film Stranger, the, Stranger Than Paradise. It just has that feel to it to me. Um, and uh, I'm curious your reaction, but who who other filmmakers, if, if that's an accurate way to assess your it, film? It's a very uh, accurate observation with the Jim Jarmusch. Um, 100%. Uh, when I, when I, you know, I grew up watching bad horror films on you know, video, and Sam Raimi's The Evil Dead was 
other horror film I'd seen. So for a long time, I was in high school and I was kind of trying to do my own version of Evil Dead over and over. My brother and I, we were kind of making films together. And then in college, uh, you nailed it. I saw Stranger Than Paradise and Down By Law. Yeah. And it totally shifted everything for me. And, you know, it wasn't until recently that I kind of maybe started to realize that I'm doing a hybrid of the two. I'm, I'm taking Jarmusch's minimalism and his, his kind of loser characters and with lack of ambitions and kind of really almost no story and asserting Sam's insanity in there and uh, unpredictability. Now uh, getting that, but otherwise, you know, there's been some of the newer filmmakers like Kelly Reichardt, Rick mm. Alverson. Um, I really like. There's a filmmaker from um, Britain, Lindsay Anderson, who did his own trilogy back in the back in the 70s and oh, early 80s. If and uh, if, yeah, yeah. Oh, lucky man yeah, in Britannia yeah. Hospital. Yeah, I think. funny these, these references that you're making Joel because I remember sitting in the theater watching Stranger Than Paradise and just just completely yeah it just sort of baked my brain watching that and how much I enjoyed it just it, yeah. I hadn't seen anything like it but I was just thoroughly involved in, in, in it trans- just spoke to me man that yeah. sense of cool that relaxed yeah. nature is just yeah. it was it was I saw it at the right the right time in my life. Yeah, sure. yeah, and and Joshua really embodies that sense. And you, I mean, you really found an actor who 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 can pull that off. Yeah, I mean, and, Jarmish works primarily with musicians too. I mean, yeah, Strangers in true. Paradise. That's those, true. Those Tom, guys, John Lurie and Tom you know, Waits. He's a musician, and yeah, Tom Waits and and Down by Law, and even the the, the Eddie in Strangers in Paradise was originally a, he was a drummer for Sonic Youth. So yeah. you know, these guys just have they got, they have rhythm, man. You can't you can't teach uh, you can't teach that. And then screaming Jay Hawkins, you can't get away from that yeah. that vibe. You know, it's yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think Josh has a weird weird little bit of screaming Jay Hawkins in his in his soul somewhere. For yeah, sure. yeah. And and I saw I remember seeing a Lucky Man as well. Again, I saw it, and I had, it was a. You're right. It was just a film that went. Oh my God! What the That's hell was so that? Good. <laughs> So it's like one of those movies that I, I try, I want to watch all the time, but I don't I try to force myself not to watch it. But I, I'm so afraid that I'm, someday I'll get over it and I won't want to watch it anymore. It's just like the movie that I'm just like every day. I'm like, I can't watch, wait to watch Oh Lucky Man again. Maybe it'll be next week. Maybe it'll be next year. I'm so excited. I, I, you know, it's funny you should say that because I did that with uh, the stuntman for a long time. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just I wanted to make that movie, but uh, as well. So um, interesting. Now, I in uh, last part, last thing I want to talk to you about because I, I think uh, the film, in addition to the characters and the and the, and the circumstances and all the other things that are make it an enjoyable uh, uh, film to watch, you can't get away from the underlying sort of. Um, socio-political. I know this may sound a little highfalutin to be talking about it in yeah. these terms, but. It is. There is a system in this country, in an economic system, 
that is designed to grind up people at the margins. And, and that's what you, you know, in the film, it takes place. He's a temp for a, a bank, and then he, and then the, the involvement with the, the, so the, this sort of credit, uh, cash checking, horrible, these predators who, who really thrive on the misery of others. And I, what I appreciate about this film, in addition to all of the other things I mentioned, is that it for very rare that you see this kind of held up, this mirror held up to us. Um, and I really appreciate the way you went about it. Yeah, I mean, the original script was actually even more overtly political, but I, I was afraid. I didn't want to make a quote-unquote political film. I wanted, to be, I wanted the politics to be kind of hidden in disguise where you didn't have to think about that to understand the film. But there's an absolute, you know, critique. It's mostly kind of a critique almost of the Occupy movement, how so many of uh, younger people kind of latched onto that and were were angry at the system, even though they didn't really know what they were angry about. And they would be like protesting on Wall Street while sipping, you know, Starbucks. And it was all right. a very weird, a weird time. And, and, and people were lashing out against capitalism, but didn't quite understand the whole dynamics of it. And I think that kind of is where Marty's coming from. He's mad. He doesn't know who he's mad at. He's yeah. angry at the, the man, even though he doesn't really know what the man looks like. So it's a critique not only of you know America kind of chewing people up and spitting them out, but it's also a critique of the people who are chewed up and how they react to it, for sure. Yeah, and and I, to take that sort of uh, the idea what you're describing back to the the '60s, which is often a, a touchstone for people to talk about uh, political acti- uh, activism. Of course, the the I in my opinion there were a lot of there were so many things that they were right about. But at the same time, you can definitely cr- criticize it for that sort of uh, entitled sort of naive, naivete of the time. Yeah, and, sure. and you can look back and say, wow, you know, if but this is, again, part of the you know, talk about the Occupy movement. There's obviously needs to be a maturation and understanding. And as they as these people evolve, as their involvement in, evolves, they'll become more and more sophisticated about the, the, the what they're after. And who and who the and who the problem who's who are the problem in in all of this? Uh, so, uh, but it, but to your, but the point of this film, Buzzard, I just think you're right. This sort of lashing out at who, not quite sure who or what, but but the anger is definitely there. And uh, and in this yeah, character, just another lost, just kind of a lost soul. Yeah. In, you know, in today's world. Well. I uh, I'm so happy for you. And again, when I see a film like yours, when I see a film like Buzzard, and I I, I just it, it uh, it's like a blast. So Bellflower a couple of years ago, I felt the same way about when I see someone yeah. who like, like a filmmaker. Okay, I can't wait to see uh, more of his work. And uh, and I and I certainly feel that way about your work, uh, Joel. So all the best, all the best to you moving forward, and uh, and good luck. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Thank you for being here. Before I, uh, one last thing: the film is opened here in New York, Los Angeles, Brooklyn, all across the country. Uh, you can go to buzzardfilm.com to find out all you need to know about where it's screening. Also, where you can rent it, buy it. You can buy it for six ninety nine now online. You can watch it in a number of different platforms: iTunes, Amazon, Google. You can also learn about our, our Kickstarter campaign that we are uh, launching we have launched to make the video game 
version oh, of that's Buzzard. Right. That's right. That's, thank you <laughs> that's for that. It's <laughs> a wild addition to the film. There will be the Buzzard video game full of uh, crazy, crazy levels. So we're really excited about that. Well, I agree. And, and, and I can't let you get away without saying I thought you were terrific as, as Derek. I, I really enjoyed the. I really enjoyed your character. I really liked him uh and i'm not sure exactly what to do with him in terms of what you where you would where you would take him but uh he was he was a lot of energy he really that that character really brought of, of that sort of kick to that crazy it, it playing off joshua it kicked the craziness uh, into a, a different realm and that just their interaction was really uh the a funny and and very engaging part of the film so don't give up on that side of your career as well i would encourage you i really enjoyed it all right thank you joel for being here on film school You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.